The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jalen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. History has been made with the space launch of a Falcon rocket taking four astronauts to the International Space Station. It is the first full-fledged taxi flight for NASA by a private company, and it blasted off overnight. Three, two, one, zero. Ignition. That was uh, the SpaceX launch of that Falcon rocket, the Dragon capsule on top named Resilience by its crew in light of this year's many challenges. Of course, COVID-19 among them. It is due to reach the International Space Station later today and will remain there until spring. Canadian astronaut David Saint-Jacques spent over 200 days at the International Space Station returning to Earth in June of 2019. He calls the liftoff of resilience the dawning of a new age. We're thrilled to have David Saint-Jacques join us this afternoon. Welcome to the show. Hi, John. Hello. <laughs> Good. How are you doing today? This is a great day. Yeah. Let's. See. So, you know, I'm really curious to know, as someone who has has gone through this, has been in a, in a spaceship as it's taken off to the International Space Station. When you hear that audio of the liftoff from, from overnight, when you watch that video, David, what do you think? What do you see? What goes through your mind? You know, what I was actually seeing most yesterday, we watched this, uh, the whole family, is this is these are four very close friends risking <laughs> their lives for you know for us all for the benefit of exploration so that was the first thing these are four very close friends and i'm holding my breath until the engines shut off when they were in orbit 10 minutes later that was the first thing but then also i was kind of rel- reliving uh, strong emotions from uh, about two years ago already uh, when I launched on a Soyuz uh, from the steps of Kazakhstan to the space station. Very similar, you know, physics of it. A very different spacecraft, though. It, it looks to me like these guys were flying business class. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it certainly does. If, if you, um, yeah, if can, can you explain to my listeners, you know, the, the massive differences between the Soyuz and, 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 and what uh, this crew has gone up in? You talk about it looks like they took off in, in business class. You're right. It's dramatically different and, you know, really a new age of space travel, isn't it? Yes. So and so a couple of nuances here. So first, the actual like fundamentals of the way the rocket moves are actually very similar to a Soyuz, similar propellant, similar thrust uh, to weight ratios, uh, similar dimensions. But now it, this is all very high tech. The way it's managed, the system is much more high tech. The capsule is so much more ergonomic. Uh, and also it's more automated because this was designed, you know, uh, almost 50 years later than the Soyuz was. So, of course, uh, we have the benefit of decades of uh, automation behind us, uh, which means the training was much shorter. Uh, because the machine is just more, uh, that more kind of integrated. And that's, I think, a big difference for the, like, the passenger experience, uh, if you want. Uh, but maybe what's more important is that this was designed by a company, meaning that, you know, spacecrafts have always been manufactured by private corporations. Mm-hmm. 
Like the, the moon rockets were built by Lockheed Martin. Uh, the space shuttle was built by Boeing. The space station was built by a conglomerate of, uh, of aerospace companies. But, you know, the chief engineer was always someone from NASA. The main design decisions were taken by the space agencies, and these were just contracted out. Whereas now, the fundraising, the research, the big, the research, the big uh, engineering decisions, those are all decided by uh, by private companies. So, and they had they could draw on a lot of young, smart folks. They could take their own risk. It was just it just led to very innovative solutions, and it, such as the fact that the rocket we saw yesterday. The capsule was left in orbit, but the rocket landed back, and it's going to be used again for the next launch. That is, is a huge saving. It's it, just that, that was less like science fiction to me, but it, it was real. It is, it is incredible uh, to see that that rocket come back. And I can remember, actually, David, I was doing an, uh, an, uh, an event with, uh, with Chris Hadfield, and he was showing the video of the first time, you know, that they tried to get that, that rocket to, to come and land back down again. No, it missed, and it missed, and it missed and they finally nailed it and now we're seeing it being done you know uh every time here to me i I mean when you look at the at the advances that are happening when it comes to this that you know elon musk and his team have been doing it is mind-boggling and i i wonder what that means for the next 10 years, the next 20 years. Can you can you maybe speculate on that a little bit with these advances where we could be in a decade from now? I think this is a great vision uh, uh, to say, okay, we kind of, ma- humanity, we as humanity, kind of master the techniques of going to space just enough that maybe private industry can take it over. And what that's going to mean is going to mean two things. That's going to mean first that access to low Earth orbit, where space station is, is getting cheaper, more kind of safer, uh, more innovative, more you know, something we can do long term. It also means that space agencies can now focus their energies, their talents, their resources to more crazy stuff like going back <laughs> to the moon and eventually going to Mars. You see, it has kind of freed their hands because now they can just. You know, the, the SpaceX model is basically a rental car. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they make the car and you drive it yourself. Uh, you don't have to make the car yourself anymore. So that is, I think it opens for Canadians. It's very good news because it means our space program is, has access now to yet another great tool. It's going to mean more frequent, cheaper flights for our astronauts, more access to space research for the benefit of all Canadians. I think it's just good news for, for everybody. David, I'm curious to know, I mean, you were up at the International Space Station for over 200 days. You landed, you come back, and I and I understand that there can be some, you know, some physical challenges after being, you know, up there for as long as it, it does. But what does an astronaut like you do, <laughs> what does an astronaut like you do when you're not in space? Like, what, what does your job entail right now? Interesting question. So first, yes, it was challenging. You say, boy, oh, boy, it's crushing. <laughs> Return to gravity. It was tough to adapt to space, but nothing like how difficult it was to readapt to gravity. But, you know, you get through it. It's amazing what the body can, can take. So so you have to understand about the what an astronaut do. So astronauts, imagine if Air Canada pilots spent most of their career working at the airport mm-hmm. in all possible departments. And we're only going to fly a plane once or twice in their life. <laughs> That's the career of an astronaut. We spend most of our career in, you know, backstage, in mission control, 
writing procedures, training rookie astronauts, sitting on committees to decide about strategies, just providing the crew perspective on all these decisions that are taken. Because when you, and then eventually, maybe it happens once or twice in your career, you get picked and then you get out of that real job and you go and train and you're on stage. But most of the time we spend our life, we're part of this giant team backstage that makes spaceflight happen. When you see an astronaut launch to space, all you see is the astronaut. But we have a saying, you know, when you see a turtle on top of a fence post, <laughs> it didn't get there alone. <laughs> I have to ask you, though, you talk about perspective. I mean, is it, is it a huge downer? Is it a, is it a bummer coming back to the real world? Uh, well, so, good question. I was dreading that. Actually, no, because the time you spend in space in awe of the view, you're looking at, you're looking at Mother Earth, right? Mm. I mean, the same planet I'm looking at here. It's just that sometimes, you know, we get fooled when something is rare. We, see it's, we think it's more valuable. Well, that's just a matter of perspective. I think going to space has given me an appreciation for the beauty, the fragility of our planet, things that I knew of, but now I kind of know it more, you know, it's deeper in my gut. It has also given me a real appreciation for the international collaboration that is making spaceflight possible. Even these days with very tense international situations, even through the Cold War, we always kept a bridge built in space. We always kept working together. And that, as a citizen, as a father, that just fills me with hope that, yeah. yes, we have huge problems to fix, but, my God, we can. We can. Because when we decide to look look beyond our differences and focus on what we have in common, we can accomplish miracles. And I wanted to ask you about that because this world is so seemingly divided anymore. Things are so divisive. And, you know, it's the International Space Station. And it doesn't matter which country you come from. You, you get there and you're all working towards one goal. You're sharing a, a space. Like, let's be real, it's not that big. And um, and you make it work. I mean, boy, oh boy, if we could take some of the lessons from that and apply them down here, then maybe we'd be better off. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I think if everybody, at least starting with politicians, could see, see Earth from space working in that amazing environment, you know, it might kind of encourage them to continue discussion. But what I want to say is that it's not like this is something that astronauts have invented. We can go to space as international crews because there is international collaboration. Mm -hmm. It's really, it's teams, tens of thousands of people strong in very country. Countries like the U.S., Russia, Japan, mm -hmm. Germany. Hey, does that ring a bell? I mean, <laughs> decades ago, these were countries were not collaborating yeah. much. And sometimes they still are not. But space has that magic sort of draw. I think it forces us to look beyond our differences because of the harshness of space, because of the big picture it gives us. It works every day. And that's professionally, that's one of my prides, that I am part of this daily demonstration that we can work together. Of course we can. We do every day. David, I'm, I'm wondering if you had a moment in your, what, 204, 208 days, I can't remember off the top of my, my head that you were there, that you had a moment where you either, I don't know, you had a moment to yourself and you got to look out at this big blue marble that we call Earth or maybe elsewhere, and and it just kind of 
was a reality check just a moment where it just hit you like did you did you have one of those moments that has stuck with you there is one moment that i can share when i was on a spacewalk yeah so i had been in space already three four months i was used to the view seen from inside and then but there i was wearing my spacesuit which is like a miniature spacecraft in the shape of a human body then <laughs> you have just the visor between you and space you kind of forget that you're wearing a suit so there i was looking at the earth and i had this interesting moment where i was wondering wow i'm just like a little independent satellite of the earth here <laughs> and in my headset i have my good friend uh Jeanette, talking to me from space to from space mission control but, and then I had this vision, like, wow, all these, I'm here because of the work of tens of thousands of people over a decade, scratching their heads, solving a myriad impossible technical challenges. And I thought, these people that I cannot see, because they're so small, because I'm so far away, the reach of their mind is incredible. Hmm. I felt like I was part of something huge, the human mind. And we have now spacecrafts that are on Mar robots on Mars. We have spacecraft that have left the solar system. The reach of the human imagination is limitless. And so that was a beautiful moment where I saw our Earth is endearing the human condition, how fragile and exposed we are. I mean, the atmosphere is like a, a thin layer of, of fog clinging on to Earth. The oceans are merely a coat of varnish over the planet and around, all around is just the deadly vacuum of space the the moon is just a rock the sun is a ball of fire and here's earth an incredible oasis of life it was just a it was very endearing you cannot help but love our planet and, and our species well you know what people are going to be able to see this a little bit more up close and personal it's uh, space explorers the international space station experience playing at the telus world of science is amazing an amazing production the largest ever filmed in space and you're a part of it and uh it's it's being shown in edmonton right now and i know a lot of people are going to be thrilled to see it david especially after this interview this afternoon i want to thank you for joining me Thank you very much. Yeah, that movie was quite a thrill to watch myself. Ooh, some shivers <laughs> down my spine as <laughs> you go back there. Yeah. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time this afternoon. Thank you. Bye to uh, everybody who's listening. Bye-bye. Yeah, you betcha. David St. John joining us uh, this afternoon. Uh, of course, Canadian astronaut. He was, what, the fourth uh, Canadian astronaut to conduct a spacewalk.